Lord, we thank you for a wonderful day you've given us, God. This opportunity, this chance to study your word this morning. So, God, I pray you bring our minds to attentiveness. I pray you bring our focus upon you. Help us not to think about our day or think about things in this room or think about whatever it is that is distracting. But, Lord, help us right now by your Holy Spirit to put our full and complete attention upon you right now. God, I I pray this because I know you want to speak to us, Lord. I I know, Lord, that that you have a word for us and you love us so much that, that, that you want to hear what you're saying today. So give us ears, Lord. Give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying right now. And we ask you to anoint this time, touch it now, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Everyone said, Amen. Recently, now you may, you may have caught this recently in the national news, you probably saw that Kanye West had given his life to Jesus and became a Christian. You guys seen that, right? I mean, month, a couple months or so ago, or Christmas, yeah. With his new album called Jesus is King, this top like rapper, songwriter, producer, even fashion designer guy is showing that the Lord rules his life now as he goes to perform in different venues, even going into churches, right, and sharing these songs. One pastor, Pastor Adam Tyson, said in an article I was reading that Kanye had come to his church and told him that he had been radically saved. Kanye shared his testimony with the pastor saying this, I was just under the weight of my sin and I was being convicted that I was running from God and I knew I needed to make things right. So I came to Christ. Well, then in this article, the pastor reported that Kanye had been attending a weekly Bible study at his church and, and the pastor said, I've spent enough hours with this man to know God is at work. Now, I, I read this to you, too, and this is just, you know, pieces of this article. I read this to you because, you know, whenever some entertainment star, you know, or even some high-level leader, official, when you hear that they come to Jesus, sometimes they're like, really? Him? Are you really sure? And, of course, when Kanye West came to the Lord, the Internet, on blogs, everywhere, well, it was, the Internet was full of people commenting on, is this real? Is it going to last, right? But I like one article um, this uh, Suzanne Gosling wrote in, in, on the Focus on the Family website. She, she said this, Remember, no one is beyond Christ's reach. And I love that thought. You see, God loves and graciously reaches out to even those superstars. And we got to remember that. No matter what people have done, no matter how famous they may be, no matter how high of a position they may hold, no matter how low we think they have gone, God's reach will surprise us for no one is beyond His grace. Amen? Today, as we return to our study in the book of Daniel, we find God at work in this chapter now. Keep that in mind. And we find this is when Nebuchadnezzar, actually in chapter 4, he's sharing his testimony. He's sharing a testimony of his encounter with God. And what we really see, and what I see here, and we're going to find, is how grace came to this very undeserving ruler. So I titled this message, A King's Testimony of Grace. A King's Testimony of Grace 
grace. We're going to be studying Daniel chapter 4 this morning, and we're going to take the first half from verse 1 through 18. And so we're really going to focus in here on the first part of this story. His testimony is really the whole chapter, but the second part we'll pick up next week. But right now, we're, today we're going to look at verse 1 through 18. And here we're going to see three things about This king's testimony of grace. And this is our outline. Number one, the surprising words. Number two, the sovereign help. And number three, the strangest dream. All right. A king's testimony of grace. Take a look. We're going to begin with uh, number one in our outline, the surprising words. The surprising words. Now, in this section, we're going to cover Daniel 4 from verse 1 through 3. So look at verse Uh, one beginning there daniel 4 verse 1 it reads king nebuchadnezzar to all peoples nations and languages that dwell in all the earth peace be multiplied to you verse 2 it has seemed good to me to show the signs and wonders that the most high god has done for me and then verse 3 how great are signs how mighty is his wonders his kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and its dominion endures from generation to generation we'll stop there at the end of verse three now this is pretty amazing we begin with these words of nebuchadnezzar remember he's the king of babylon and he's writing here he's writing we see in verse one to the peoples of nations and languages throughout the world remember babylon is the world empire at this point so it's going all out to his world empire all different peoples and nations that he had conquered with this what we're seeing here in chapter four daniel the writer the author he records actually in this chapter the official proclamation that was sent out to all of babylon that world empire at that time and understand what what we're getting into here is in chapter four is like this update on what's happening with the king and the country and everything, and particularly really the, the king. This was like, I was thinking, this was like the state of the union, right? From the king, who really for seven years now had been unfit of, of his duties to fulfill his duties, but he's back now. So here's this update. Here's his testimony of what's been going on. And so now he's back and He's, he's speaking this proclamation. He's speaking some different kind of words. He's speaking in a different way that he's ever done before. And so I want you to imagine these words going out, the, what we just read here in these verses. I, I want you to imagine this going out, this, you know, announcer, maybe he sends a messenger reading the paper or, or you know, announcing to everybody here in the kingdom. And, and I want you to imagine like the people and all the nations in this kingdom thinking, wait, 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 wait what's this, right? What, what, what's this coming out of his mouth? I mean, here's this authoritarian, this tyrannical king, feared, everyone feared him, easily angered, right? The other chapter, all ready to, you know, chop off the head of these, these advisors, right? Here's this guy, here's this king saying, Peace be multiplied to you, right, in this first verse. I'm sure the people are going, what? Peace? He's talking about peace, this guy? And then he's talking about 
This, here's this king, people know him, of this worshiper of many gods, the many gods of Babylon. And he says, you know, it really seemed good to me. I, I, I really wanted to share with you about the signs and wonders. In other words, the miracles. And then he says that the most high God has done for me. What? Done for you, king? What do you, wait, 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 wait. Did he just acknowledge and praise this mighty God, the God of Israel? What, what's going on here? And then this proclamation goes out and, and then you're, you're listening and you go, wait, wait, did he just declare how great and how mighty the works of this Jewish God is? And then here's this king who never recognized any other king or kingdom, right? He either killed the kings or imprisoned other kings of other nations he conquered. We're thinking, whoa, did he just make a statement that God's kingdom is the everlasting kingdom, the eternal kingdom, and God's rule and dominion, his sovereign rule, his dominion endures, like goes on eternally and it'll go on from generation to generation? Now, can you imagine this proclamation going out? Can you imagine hearing these words coming out of the king's mouth and everyone thinking, wow, this is a very different king than before these are the surprising words that they heard thus our heading now we've seen this king say some similar things giving honor to god before remember after the interpretation of his dream in daniel 2 verse 47 the king said well truly daniel your god is the god of gods and lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries and then after remember last time after the rescue of the three hebrews in a fiery furnace in daniel 3 nebuchadnezzar makes this decree right in verse 29 of chapter 3 any people nation or language that speaks anything against the god of shadrach meshach and abednego shall be torn from limb from limb and their houses laid in ruins for there is no other god who is able to rescue in this way so we've seen nebuchadnezzar give honor to the god of israel but here it's different and, and put this in your mind too. What he's saying here in chapter 4 actually takes place, scholars say, about 20 to 30 years after the events that happened in chapter 3. So before he was acknowledging God as, well, yeah, he's God, he's great, he can do this, he can do that. But he was just a God of one of the many gods that he already worshipped. That, that's what he was doing. But here he uses words that show he now believes in the one and only God of Israel. He's totally honoring him. He's totally praising him. He's totally giving him that glory. Amazing, isn't that? How did, he, how did this come to pass? How, how are these surprising words coming out of his mouth? Well, that's what we're going to see in this chapter. That's what this testimony is. And right now we're just in the intro part of his testimony of his encounter with God so this proclamation the state of the union is really the king's testimony of grace and that's why I titled this thus it must have been surprising to see and hear this brutal conqueror this man who burned and destroyed Jerusalem took the Jews captive right it must have been crazy for them to whoa this king is talking like a Jewish person here right must have been amazing but you know what we see here what we can recognize here what we know 
who know God, and maybe Daniel and some of these Jews who, who know him and know what ha- happened too, what they see is no one is beyond the reach of God. No one is beyond the reach of God. When such a radical transformation happens, people tend to not believe it, right? People tend to doubt, what, aren't really? I remember I was thinking about, um, I remember hearing the testimony of Pastor Raul Reese of Calvary Chapel Diamond Bar in California. And, 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 and in his story, how after he was radically saved by the Lord, the Holy Spirit had led him to go back to his old high school and share Jesus with all the students, the kids on campus. But the funny thing is when he showed up, he put the bi- his Bible in his hand because of all the trouble he had made before he was saved. As soon as the principal saw him come on campus, the principal and the assistant principal called the police. Raul was exhorted, escorted off campus, being told that if he comes back, we're, we're going to put you in jail. That's what the police told him. And uh, the story is, you know, Pastor Raul was praying, said, Lord, I, how can I go back? I'm not, I can't go back. But God prompted him, no, go back. Go back. So he went back, and then he, sh- he sat down with the principal, assistant principal, shared what happened, and then they allowed him to go on campus and talk to the kids. Well, a few weeks later, God just opened the, oh, his Holy Spirit fell upon the campus, and 500 students gave their life to Jesus. I'm sure the Babylonians here were doubting the king. What? Using such words as these? I can almost see, though, the king, you know, writing this out, or even if he gave it and someone transcribed it, like smiling, right, when he's sharing his testimony. Whoa, the king's smiling like that? Whoa, something's very different. But all of this was really the Lord's work, right? God's work to show no one is beyond the reach of God. Perhaps there's those of you in this room today, you know that you know some people that they seem so impossible to reach, yeah? Those who are so intellectually s- strong that they reject Jesus, you know? Or maybe there's, there's some people, you know, they're so set in their ways, God, I don't know how you're going to get through. Or maybe there's those who seem so evil and wicked, and you're like, God, I, I'm, I'm not, I don't even want to be around them, right? Or those, how about this, those who have everything, yeah? We're going to talk about this in a moment, but those have everything. God, how can they really get to that place to need Jesus? Or those who are caught up in some sort of addiction and all, who are in severe bondage in that way. It seems though these unreachable ones are unreachable. But you know what? These seemingly unreachable ones are the very ones that God reaches for. So I tell you this, what we're seeing today, it should motivate us. It should put a fire in our hearts to pray, pray more, pray fervently. God, he can do anything. No one stops God. He can, he's powerful and he can even reach a king like this. Or maybe you're sitting here and somehow, I don't know, you ended up in church this morning and, and maybe you're, you've been wondering if, if God would even have you. You're wondering if God would even have you back. Well, I stand up here and I can confidently tell you God does want you. He's reaching right out to you right now. That's why you're here. It's a divine appointment. No matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, no matter what you feel, God will not reject anyone who is willing to come to him. 
Matter of fact, because God is calling, because God is reaching out to you, to you, that's why you're here, right? And I want you to hear this. I want you to hear that God is saying, I love you. I want to help you. I want to be part of your life. I want to forgive you. You just come to me. God is saying, you're not beyond the reach of my grace and mercy. So open your heart up right now. As we just pause for a moment, think about that. No one is beyond the reach of God. As we see Nebuchadnezzar, what, what happened to him? He's the last person you think will come to the Lord. Yet he's speaking in a way that God has come into his life. Open your hearts up right now. I'm going to do something different. I want to pray for you right now. I want everyone to close their eyes. I'm going to do something different in the middle of this message, and I want you to close your eyes. Lord, I, I pray for anyone in here right now who's struggling, who may be regretting the past or their sins, Lord. I pray for anyone right now who's struggling inside and wondering, God, do, will you really love me? Will you really take me back? God, will you receive me after all I've done? And I pray, Lord, as they call out to you that you would forgive them, that you would hear, God, their cry to you right now. And Lord, I pray that they would hear surprising words from you, words that say, I love you, I want you. I'm going to give you grace. I'm going to forgive you. And I want you to be with me. And I want to be in your life. So Lord, touch our hearts right now. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's go on to number two in our heading, the sovereign help. The sovereign help. We see in this King's testimony of grace, the surprising words. But now we go to the sovereign help. We're going to go on to Daniel chapter 4, and this is going to cover verses 4 through 9. But first look at 4 and 5. Verse 4 says, I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at ease in my house and prospering in my palace. I saw a dream that made me afraid as I lay in the bed of the fancies and the visions of my head alarmed me. We'll stop there. So the king now begins to share his testimony. He starts to share, now here's what happened here. I, Nebuchadnezzar, here, I was at Ease. That word ease means content in the original Hebrew. It means I was secure. The NLT translated it this way. I was living in my palace in comfort and prosperity. So he was there at ease. He was prospering. He, he, basically, here is Nebuchadnezzar, king, the king, successful, wealthy, powerful, right? The, the, the powerful king ruling over the world. He had everything he had it all but then something came and messed that all up he says that he had this dream that made him afraid these these fancies or in other words these thoughts or images and visions that alarmed him he was doing great hey loving life i had everything i didn't need nothing i was happy fulfilled content i'm conquered the world right years later some think that he was he's older now in the years he's conquered you know, the world, and so everything's good with him. And then all of a sudden, here's something that came and shook him. Once again, King Nebuchadnezzar was troubled by a dream like he was in chapter 2. And once again, God was trying to speak to his heart. So Nebuchadnezzar, who was so caught up in his own self, his own wealth, being so comfortable, you know what God did? God sent this troubling dream to save him. 
And actually, this was the sovereign help. King Nebuchadnezzar sitting on top of the world. He conquered all his enemies. He was the wealthiest man alive at that time. And just to give you a little picture, he built up the city of Babylon with walls that were 350 feet high, 87 feet wide. They say you could race six chariots side by side on top of the wall. One of his palaces covered 11 acres, just one of his palaces. His banquet hall could seat 10,000 guests. All around the city, on the buildings, even on the outer walls, they were covered with custom-made tile, hand-painted, depicting scenes of the Babylonian history. King Nebuchadnezzar married a girl from the mountains and, well, her, his, his honey, she didn't like how flat Babylon was. So you know what? He built a mountain for her. He ended up planting trees and shrubs, all kind of different greenery on it. And many of the plants, the way it decorated this big mountain on the side, it looked like they were suspended. And this mountain was so grand, so, so incredible, it became one of the seven wonders of the world. And it's called the famous Hanging Gardens of Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar, he had everything. Any, you know, he could do anything he wanted. He had servants at his beck and call. His wealth could buy him anything he wanted at any time. He didn't need anyone or anything. He had it all. But God cared for him. God had concern for him. God wanted to reach him and save him from himself. So he gave him this dream. Well, what is this? Well, he had this dream, another dream. He couldn't figure it out. So verse 6, So I made a decree that all the wise men of Babylon should be brought before me, that they might make known to me the interpretation of the dream. Then the magicians and enchanters, the Chaldeans and astrologers came in, and I told them the dream, but they could not make known to me its interpretation. Well, what do we see here? So like the other dream, right, in chapter 2, he called upon the royal advisors. And like the other dream in chapter 2, they could not give the interpretation. But unlike the other dream, the king actually told them what that dream was. Remember last time, he's like, you better tell me the dream or you're going to die, you know, kind of thing. But this time, he's like, he told them the dream, but they still couldn't figure it out. Well, verse 8, at last Daniel came in before me, he who was named Belteshazzar. Remember, Daniel is his Hebrew name, his given name, but Bel- uh, uh, Belteshazzar is, is his uh, Babylonian name that was given to him in chapter 1. And the king writes, after the name of my God, in whom is the spirit, Daniel, of the holy gods. And I told him the dream, saying, oh, uh, uh, Belteshazzar, I can't say it right now, chief of the magicians, Because I know that the spirit of the holy God is in you and that no mystery is too difficult for you. Tell me the visions of my dream that I saw and their interpretation. So Daniel comes in and we see here he's the chief, right, of the royal advisors here. Remember Nebuchadnezzar had appointed him head of this group back in chapter 2. Well, when Daniel finally arrives, and maybe he didn't come in with the first group because maybe he lived farther away. Well, the king addresses him. And says, hey, you're the one whom the spirit of the holy gods, right, is in you. Nebuchadnezzar know that the God of Israel is with Daniel. And remember, Nebuchadnezzar, he believes in many gods and the God of Israel, just another God at this time. 
So the king knew from back in chapter 2 that no mystery is too difficult for Daniel. So like before, he, would, he wants Daniel to give him the meaning, what he saw the visions and what the meaning of the dream was. So we see here, Daniel comes now. No one else could do this as the only one able to give the meaning. Daniel, think about this. Daniel was positioned by God in order to help the king. Daniel is the sovereign help. Again, our heading. You know, I was thinking about, about all of this like, like in this manner. Warren Wiersbe wrote, Once again, God in his grace used a dream to communicate an important message to Nebuchadnezzar. And then it was God's, God in his grace that had Daniel there ready to give the interpretation. Think about that. God's grace, right, Wiersbe says, gave Nebuchadnezzar the dream. Why? Because God was reaching out to him. But God had Daniel in his grace ready to be there to help him understand what that dream was. I thought about how Paul wrote that in Ephesians 4, how God had given the church gifted leaders to teach and equip the church. In Ephesians 4, 11 through 12, it says, He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ. So God sovereignly, like he did with the church, God sovereignly put Daniel there to help Nebuchadnezzar really hear and understand what God was trying to tell him. So we see this here in, in the second section. Grace put Daniel there to help Nebuchadnezzar understand God's message in the dream. Grace put Daniel there to help Nebuchadnezzar understand God's message in the dream. You know, when um, my daughter, Janae, was young, I remember walking into her bedroom and hearing her and her two girlfriends there they were they were talking they were conversing in this weird like gibberish to each other and and laughing and when i heard it i caught on pretty quick because because i remember being you know younger and then this was going around they were speaking what's what we call pig latin do you remember that Pig Latin. Pig Latin is like this made-up language where you take English words and mix them up. You take the consonants, like at the, uh, at, uh, you take the consonant at the beginning of the word and you put it at the end, and then you add like yay or a or way to the end of it. For example, hello in Pig Latin is elohe, or you in Pig Latin is ouye. So if you say Hello, how are you? In Pig Latin, I'm going to try this. It's a Elohe, Uhe, Arwe, Uye. And so they're like, blur, 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 and they're like, blur, and they're laughing, blur, 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 they're laughing, and all that. And so, you know, I walked out of the room, yeah, whatever, you guys. <laughs> Later, we were talking about it at dinner, and when the friends left and everything, and, and she was sharing that, yeah, you know, they use that language. So, so they could talk like that so, so the mom would not be able to understand. It's like talking in cold there. And I thought, oh, okay, until she figures it out, right? I was thinking about that. But you know what? Let me say, God is not like that. He's not like trying to speak big Latin to you, yeah? 
Oh, I don't get it, Lord, right? He doesn't talk in some special code to, to tease us and to keep something from us, to just put fear in us and scare us. No, He really wants to communicate to us. And you know why? You know what? That's why God put Daniel there so Nebuchadnezzar could understand the message that is coming from him. Now, yeah, it's, it, we're going to see in this next section that it, it's different, this dream. It's strange. He doesn't understand it fully. But, um, but that is for God to try and get him to listen. And sometimes we don't understand the word totally, but it's for us to really study it and get into what God wants to say to us. Think about this. Nebuchadnezzar did not deserve it. God could have let him go deeper into his selfishness and sin. But God in his grace wanted to save him and save him from himself. God's desire really is for all of us, for people not just to hear, but understand deeply his message to us. And you know what? As believers, that's why Jesus tells us in John 14, 26, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all that I have said to you. The Holy Spirit will teach us. The Holy Spirit helps us to understand. The Holy Spirit, as we read the Word, get into it, can understand and hear God speaking to us. But the thing is here, and this is what I'm going to throw out to you right now, is are you seeking to understand what you, heard, what you hear? The Spirit right now is even here to help you, to teach you. God has sovereignly even put you here in this church yeah, with people, with this pastor here to teach you what the Word is saying. The question is, do you take advantage of that? Do you just come in here on Sundays and it's more of a ritual and routine than really listening for God's voice through His Word, through the study of His Word? God desires to speak to you. He does. And the number one way He speaks to us is through the Word of God. And He'll use the Word of God with the Holy Spirit to speak into our hearts and our ears and convict us and, and, and help us, encourage us, bring us closer to Him as we learn about God. God so desires to speak to you and me. To have us learn and hear His voice. To help us, to free us, to save us, right? From ourselves, from where we're heading. What will you do with the sovereign help He sent? Well, let's go on here now to number three. The strangest dream. The strangest dream. So in this King's Testimony of Grace, we've seen the surprising words come out. We've seen now the sovereign help. And now he comes to the strangest dream. And this is the rest of our section, Daniel 4, from verse 10 through 18. Now here's his dream now, beginning at verse 10. The visions of my head as I lay in bed were these. I saw and behold a tree in the midst of the earth, and its height was great. The tree grew and became strong, and its top reached to heaven, and it was visible to the end of the whole earth. Its leaves were beautiful, and its fruit abundant, and in it was food for all. The beasts of the field found shade under it, and the birds of the heavens lived in its branches, and all flesh was fed from it. We'll stop there. All right, here's this dream. And okay, the first part of this dream is pretty nice. It is a, a beautiful tree. It's this p- 
pictured that he saw this vision in this dream. It's, it's, it's this tree. It grew healthy and strong, we read here. It grew tall and wide, right? Its leaves were healthy. Its leaves are beautiful and green, and it bore much fruit. And, and there's so much fruit, it, it, it fed the whole world. And, and wi- it was such a great tree that wild animals lived in its shade and birds nested in its branches. This tree was wonderful. It was great. It was fantastic. So far, the dream is great. But then it takes a weird turn. Look at verse 13. And I saw in the visions of my head as I lay in bed, and behold, a watcher, a holy one, came down from heaven. He proclaimed aloud and said thus, Chop down the tree, lop off its branches, strip off its leaves, and scatter its fruit. Let the beasts flee from under it and the birds from its branches. But, verse 15, Leave the stump of of its roots in the earth, bound with a band of iron and bronze. Amid the tender grass of the field, let him be wet with the dew of heaven. Let his portion be with the beasts in the grass of the earth. Let his mind be changed from a man's and let a beast's man mind be given to him and let seven periods of time pass over him. Verse 17, the sentence is by the decree of the watchers, the decision by the word of the holy ones to the end that the living may know that the most high rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will and sets over it the lowliest of men. We'll stop there. All right, in this dream, Nebuchadnezzar, it changes now. He sees this watcher. What is this watcher? Well, this is a powerful, angelic, holy being come from heaven, basically. He proclaims now, this angel, that time has come to chop down the tree, cut off the branches, strip it of its leaves, scatter all the fruit. And then all the animals will run away, they'll flee, and the birds will fly away. But the stump, that is left over is to be bound in chains. Then notice something in the very middle of verse 15. Look at verse 15. This once great tree is now called him. Do you see that? Let him be wet with dew Let, and live among the beasts of the animals. Let his mind think like he's an animal. Let him you know, be in the field like with all the animals. And this is to last seven periods of time, which means seven years. So something's going to happen to him, this tree. This is a person that this dream is talking about. And why is this? Why is this going to happen? Well, the angel explains that with this sentence or edict that is going out, what he's proclaiming or the proclamation, is decreed or announced by the watchers. That's all the angels that were sent for this decision or this punishment and is being executed by the holy ones, these angels, so that the reason is this, so that all may know that the Most High, that's the Lord God, rules the kingdoms and nations that God rules over all and it is only he who can give kingdoms to whoever he wills he sets up the rulers powerful or weak so in all of this god is going to show himself and prove prove that he is ruler that he is authority over everyone all kings all rulers what a dream this is right this is the strangest dream that nebuchadnezzar ever had 
Why such a strange dream? Why all these little components? There? Why this, you know, all this weird stuff and then all of a sudden changing to him? And all this, it's just one of those weird kind of dreams. Why such a strange dream? You know why? Because it was designed to grab his attention. That's why. Think about it, Nebuchadnezzar, remember? He was good, right? He had everything in the world. Wealthiest man alive at that time. The most powerful man. He could do anything he wanted. Yeah? He was good. He had his palaces. He had, he had the country. He, had, he, had, he could order anyone around. He was the leader. He didn't have to be accountable to anyone. He could do whatever. He didn't need anyone or anything. But God wanted to get his attention. So he sent the strangest dream. And it was in a way that bothered him so much. It bothered him so much that he had to find out what was going on here. You know, God does that to us sometimes, doesn't he? Listen to what C.S. Lewis wrote. He said these words. Pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pain. C.S. Lewis said, it is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. Do you understand that? Nebuchadnezzar was deaf to God. Matter of fact, all that happened in the last few chapters, he didn't care. He didn't think of God any more than, oh, he's just one of the other gods that I worship. Hey, yeah, just joined a, joined a crew over there. Yeah, But God wanted to get his attention. God cared about him. God wanted to save him from himself. So God was about to, and we're going we're gonna to see, about to bring pain upon his pride. The strangeness of the dream was to grab his attention. So verse 18, our last verse, Nebuchadnezzar asks now, This dream I, King Nebuchadnezzar, saw, and you, O Belteshazzar, tell me the interpretation, because all the wise men of my kingdom are not, be able, are not able to make known to me the interpretation, but you are able, for the Spirit of the holy gods is in you. We end here today with this verse. With, with listen, I don't know if you can hear his heart. This is his desperate king just dying to know what does this mean it's bothering me there's something about this super strange dream it's like nothing i've ever seen before and he's suffering from what what i think he thinks it means i think his mind is spinning you know how 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 sometimes we might hear something we don't understand but we start to put together some things and our mind spins and starts putting this scenario together and then we get all all just beside ourselves i think that's where he is he can't have peace until he really knows the truth about this message so he's, so he's crying out to Daniel, please tell me, tell me the meaning, tell me its interpretation. So what's the interpretation? Well, you have to come back next week. <laughs> Another cliffhanger. But here's a hint. Here's a teaser. Here, here's a, yeah, you know how at the end of the shows they, they're like, oh, next week? Well, here's a little teaser for next time. Look down at verse 22. Daniel says to the king, that, uh, that, that tree in your dream, he says, it is you, O king. That's a little teaser. Well, 
Let me end with this point. God designed the dream to grab Nebuchadnezzar's attention and get him to seriously listen to him. God designed the dream to grab Nebuchadnezzar's attention to get him to seriously listen to him. Because he wasn't listening. Way back, uh, I was reading a story before cell phones, yeah, and our modern communication where we can text and email and, you know, I am and all that stuff. Way back before cell phones, the telegraph was the main method of communication. You know what the telegraph was, right? Morse code, tick, 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 or beep, 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 right? The telegraph, okay. It was before my time too, all right? <laughs> Well, this young man applied for... I heard that, sure. <laughs> Rob, we're the same age. <laughs> sure to you, too. Now, getting back to the story. No, I'm just joking. A young man applied for a job as a Morse code operator for this telegraph company. Answering an ad in the newspaper, he went to the office address that was listed. When he arrived, he entered a large, busy office filled with noisy, the noise and clatter, including the sound of a, the telegraph beeping in the background. Well, a sign at the receptionist counter instructed job applicants to fill out a form and wait until, sit down and wait until they were summoned to enter the inner office. Well, the young man filled out his form and sat down with seven other applicants in the waiting area. After a few minutes, the young man stood up, crossed the room to the door of the inner office, and walked right in. The other applicants are like, well, what's going on here? They complained to themselves about this young man who came in later but went in first, and they assumed, oh, he, he didn't do it right. He's going to be disqualified here. Well, right after that, within a few minutes, the employer, however, came out escorting the young man out of the office and told the other applicants waiting there, gentlemen, thank you very much for coming, but the job has been fulfilled. The other applicants began began grumbling to each other and one spoke up saying, wait a minute, wait a minute, I, I don't understand. He was the last one to come in. We never even got a chance to be interviewed, yet he got the job. That's not fair. Well, then the employer said, I'm sorry, But in all this time you've been sitting here, the telegraph has been ticking out the following message in Morse code. It was was sending this message. If you understand this message, then come right in. The job is yours. The employer said, it seems none of you were really listening, but this young man did, so the job is his. How creative, yeah, that was. Unusual way to run a job interview, but how creative. I bet these guys, next time they apply for a job, they're going to be listening, right? Feeling the loss of not being able to get that job. Well, listen, God does unusual things sometimes. Out of the norm, what? To grab our attention. God will use unusual and strange methods, right? We think, oh, God, you only work this way, or you only speak this way. But sometimes he'll speak in ways that we're not even thinking about to grab our attention to get us to listen. Listen, God, God loves you. God wants to help you. So sometimes he'll design some 
strange ways to, to get you to wake up, to get you to look. Sometimes he'll, 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 he'll do some things so that you'll seriously listen to him this time. Maybe you're sitting here and you can, the lights are coming on. The Spirit's speaking to you. Maybe you can see now, that's what's going on right now in my life. I've been confused. I couldn't figure it out. Maybe that's the only way He can stop you in the direction you're going. Maybe it's the only way because you're so caught up in this thing or you're so caught up in yourself and your, your, your career or, or, the, or, the, or what you're all into that God has to do something completely radical and different to grab your attention. But you know why He does that? Because He loves you. He wants you. He wants to be in your life and involved more than ever. More than what it is. More than what, what you have allowed. Uh, is God just another thing in your life that you added, right? Is, is God, like, used to be the thing in your life? God was your priority. God, Jesus was everything. You, you were actually here at, at church early because you're so excited to be with Jesus. But now, uh, well, Pastor Rick's not speaking yet. I can come later. Yeah. You used to have that fire, but now God has just added to all the other things that are going on in your life. Perhaps you're in the middle of something where, where God is getting your attention. Listen, hear, get serious about what he wants to tell you. You know, this king, Nebuchadnezzar, he did not deserve any of this, did he? Probably most of the Jews are thinking, what? Him? Did you see what he did to our temple? Jerusalem, do you see we're here in captivity because of him? What? Did he, the king really deserve it? But God's grace reached out. We don't deserve nothing. We failed God. We haven't sought him like we should. Yet God, out of the blue, will come and uh, uh, just come into our lives and grab us and shake us, do some strange, unusual things because of his grace, because he loves us, because he wants us to, to go deeper in our relationship with to come back to him to save us from ourselves, save us from our selfishness and sin. That's what he did with this king. And so he gave him this strange dream to help Nebuchadnezzar turn his life over to him. I want to close with some stories here. And I don't know if you've been catching this. I mentioned this maybe um maybe last month or a couple months ago, but in recent years, there's been a great revival going on, you guys. Not in America, not in Europe, but in the Middle East. All over in Saudi Arabia, Iran, Egypt, Syria, even in the West Bank, in the Palestinian areas. Millions now. They say in the past decade or so, Two to seven million, I, I read, of Muslims are coming to Jesus Christ like never before. 
And it's not by traditional means, you guys. It's not by, oh, people going out, passing tracks out, and out, right? All those countries, it's illegal, right, to believe in anything else. It's hard for missionaries to be in those areas, many of those areas, I should say. It's not by traditional means, but you know how they're coming to Christ? Through dreams and visions. Let me tell you, uh, a pastor, Tom Doyle, uh, he works for this missions or organization going into the Middle East. He said this, it all started with them with a dream. They had a Jesus dream and some of them had many Jesus dreams. They would then seek out Christians after a while because the dreams would get so intense that they wanted an answer. Crazy, huh? I read of one Muslim man who said he saw Jesus in a dream and he didn't know what to do with it. So he decided, you know, he's like, I don't get this. So he decided, you know what, I got to get deeper into my Muslim faith. So he took a pilgrimage to Mecca and on the way, he saw a vision of Jesus standing in front of him. Jesus told him, you're on the wrong path. You're on the wrong road. Leave this place. Come follow me. He sought out a pastor, which actually this Pastor Doyle, and Pastor Doyle was able to share with him Christ. He received Jesus and was baptized afterwards. Crazy. Another story, true story now. I, I, I read another story about this ISIS fighter who was plotting to kill these Christian missionaries. But then one night he dreamed that this missionary now handed him an envelope uh, seeping with this fragrant, sweet blood. Kind of a, a, a weird picture. His senses were overwhelmed, this article is saying, by the almost perfumatic scent of the blood. But this ISIS fighter, who was no stranger to blood, was petrified in the face of this particular blood. In his dream, the missionary spoke to him, saying, Do not be afraid. The next morning he woke up shaken. He went and found that missionary he was going to kill and learned about Jesus. And this is what the missionary said. I explained the gospel to him about the blood Jesus shed on a cross for the atonement of sins. And the missionary says that very day he told me he wanted to become a Christian. And then since then the, uh, he received Christ, he discipled him and baptized him also. Let me share one more story. With the support of her family, a Muslim teenage girl had committed to be a suicide bomber to kill some Jews and Christians, all to please Allah. About two days before her suicide mission, during, get this, during her Muslim prayer time, now, she had a dream where she sat in a dark graveyard. And this is, what she, this is the story she tells. I was in a graveyard. Everywhere was darkness. I was looking for a way out of the darkness. As I was looking to come out from that graveyard, I, I saw a light appear. And the light has arm, had arms and hands and a face. I asked, is this a man made of light? She says, I had never seen a man made of light. If it is an angel, there should be wings behind it. But there, there were no wings. This was just a man made of light. Well, she goes on to tell in this story, then this light man said, come and follow me. The girl didn't want to go, and the, the light man called her and said, my daughter, come and follow me. 
So this teenage Muslim girl in this vision, she saw this light man also make a path like all the rocks and everything move and there's this path now. She followed the path and the light man and then the light man, she says, stopped at one grave, at this grave. And then he turned to the dead and said, come out. And the person came out. And then this, this girl says this. She called out to the light man and said, who are you giving life to dead people? He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Then she cried out, help me get out of this graveyard. She's then told that she, she was brought to this amazing place in this vision. She says it was, there was a golden wall and tons of light, natural light all over. And right after that, she woke up. Well, the next day, she happened to run into another Christian, and she struggled with this dream for a number of days, and, and she was even given a Bible, but she, she never really told anyone. She was just struggling, and, and God had sent different Christians, actually, to talk to her. But it wasn't until her second conversation with this, this, this Christian young man that told, when she shared the dream, and then this Christian young man told her that the dream was God's plan. For you, And then he opened up John 14, 6. And for the first time, she saw and heard it read, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Exactly what she heard this light man say. Well, at that point, she said she broke down weeping. And then this teenage suicide bomber girl said in her testimony, I was such a bad girl and God came to save my life. And she said, I was going to kill his people, but he came to save my life and my soul too. And she gave her life to Christ. Awesome. Amazing, isn't it? So you see, God is still using dreams like he did with Nebuchadnezzar. And it all shows that no one, no one is beyond God's grace. Even where where, where there's no gospel being preached, God is coming to them reaching out to them in love and sharing his love and truth there. No one is beyond God's grace. Whether it's ex-Muslims, Kanye West, King Nebuchadnezzar, or you and I, God reaches out to everyone and anyone. But are we listening? But let's believe this, yeah? That he loves you and I and he can reach anybody. Let's believe and learn from this, a king's testimony of grace. Let's pray. Dear Lord, as we come to you, God, and as we hear, Lord, Nebuchadnezzar's incredible testimony as it's unfolding in front of our eyes, we see grace, Lord. We see your love. We see you doing the work, God at work. And at the same time, Lord, help us to recognize you are at work in our lives today. Lord, we don't want to be deaf to what you are saying here today. We want to seriously listen, God. We want to be ones that respond to you this morning. And and Lord, as as we close up here, God, I pray that, that you would move among each one of us right now, Lord. That we would say, Lord, we hear you and we want to respond. Lord, we want to be listening, God. We don't want to have deaf ears. We cry out to you that that you would open the eyes of our heart so we can see you 
at work and open our deaf ears that we can hear what you are saying to us, Lord. God, thank you that no one is beyond your reach and your grace. God, I thank you because you, 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 you reach me, Lord. And you're reaching everyone here. So, Lord, with all of our heart and our soul, touch us now. Fill us, Lord. As you forgive us of our sins, Lord. Come upon us, Lord. Give us new eyes to see what's going on. And even in the midst of situations, trials, troubles, Lord, help us to look for what you're trying to show us and teach us what you're trying to say to us, Lord. And help us to understand that in the end what it is that you want us close to you. You want to be involved in our lives. That you want to be part of our, our lives, but we're not allowing you to do that and we're not putting you as a priority so you can't work like, like you want to. So help us to repent, Lord, this morning and recommit everything to you, Lord. I want to take a moment real quick right now as our eyes are closed, as we're before the Lord. I'm calling you guys. I'm calling you guys to, to, to stand up and come forward. To stand up and come forward. If you want to give your life to Christ, if this is the first time, give your life to Christ. Accept Him right now and come forward. Maybe you have already. But you know God is calling you to recommit your life. I want you to come forward right now. I want you to stand up from your seat and come forward right now. Show God what you want. Be bold. Be committed. Let standing up, coming forward right here in front of me, say to the Lord, I am committed to you. I'm asking you right now, come forward. Perhaps you've been living your life where God is just added to all the other things. God is just one of the things in your life. I'm asking you, get up from your seat and come forward right now. Perhaps you consider yourself to be a Christian. Ah, I'm doing okay. But perhaps you've been struggling with some things. Perhaps you know there's certain areas in your life that need total commitment to Him. And, and, and you know God is, God is shaking you, grabbing your attention right now. I ask you right now, come forward. Anyone, just come forward right now. Show the Lord that you want to be totally committed to Him. Anyone here, just get up, come forward. No shame. God bless you. Anyone else? If you come, it doesn't mean, oh, no, everyone's going to know. I'm not a great Christian. No, it's not that. We're all praying. We're all wanting. I'm calling you to action today, you guys. I'm action to live for God like never before. Come for right now. Anyone. You want to 
stand for Jesus. If you want your life to be different from today on, come forward, you guys. Anyone else? Lord, I thank you so much for um, Randy here being so bold to come. And I pray over him right now, Lord. I pray that those things that are in his heart that he's committing to you, I pray that you would move upon his heart. I pray for anyone here who is feeling like they should come, but they're not. Lord, I pray that you would touch their heart. Lord, I pray for anyone here, God, that you would help them recommit to you right now and that making this stand in in their hearts, doing what you want, God, that you would truly, Lord, come in and touch them. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Give a hand to these guys that came up. Let's all stand now and worship the Lord.